My name is Jeremy Devins, and this is the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast on Yoga Sequences for Beginners. And there's a free download with this episode if you go to quietmind.yoga slash beginner sequence. And on that free download, you get an exact page from the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training Manual that shows you probably the most popular Hatha sequence that I taught over the years. And based on one of my most popular classes, and then of course my thousands of hours of teaching over 11 plus years. So it's all baked into this single page. And I could give you lots of different sequences and say lots of different ways to approach sequencing, sequencing which I will touch on today. Uh, but if you just want like, what was the best sequence, the best overall format of a class, this is it. And I didn't really strictly follow this. I never used this actually in my classes of like having it in front of me and like reading through it. But I did always have it in the back of my mind and it is essentially the working model of what's happening in my head as I was teaching this class. Now, if it was in my first couple of years of teaching, I might have actually written this out and maybe even had notes when I was teaching so I have it nearby. So if you are in that first few years of teaching, then it is helpful to have notes and to maybe have a reference. But the further along you go, the more intuition is even more important because you've seen it so many times of what happens when you teach a pose and how you say it a certain way that you just kind of know how to adapt your teaching for my style at least. And, you know, some people are much more, you, you need to see it written out and you need to pick visual and picture in front of you. Uh, some people are much more intuitive in, in the moment. And for me, and maybe you're like this as well, uh, the more visual paper stuff I have in front of me and the more I'm like reading notes, the more it can take me out of the present moment. But having that in mind, having that sort of sequence in mind and the outline is essential. And I don't have that written out when I teach, but I do have it in the back of my head. And I'm going to talk through this whole PDF. So again, you want to download this to really like make the most of it because it helps to have the visuals. But I will explain this in a way where you don't need the visuals if you can't see it or don't get the download. Totally fine. So I think of a class rather than thinking of like a specific sequence I need to follow A, B, C, and D. I think of it as making sure we address, in this case, this is like an all levels general Hatha class that is good for beginners and tailored to beginners, but good for all levels. Uh, so in that context, I think of like, what are some of the all around full body things we want to accomplish for the whole body? Like what's going to feel great head to toe and not leave anything out. So we want to make sure we're stretching the inner hips, the outer hips, the front of the hips, the back of the legs, the shoulders, the neck the spine and all of its directions of motion and twists and side bends, right? So we want to make sure we're addressing all of the movements of the body as best we can. And I have all of them in this PDF. I think there's a couple, like I don't have a specific side bend on the PDF, but that is something I would include, right? So the PDF is not meant to be like you just do pose one, pose two, pose three, but it gives you an outline and then you can build on it. But within that outline, it covers almost every major movement of the body, except in this case, the side bends. So I think of that first of like, okay, 
how do I make sure we address the whole body, all the major movements? All right, so we're probably going to do bound angle pose for the inner hips, probably going to do pigeon for the outer hips. You don't have to try in a yoga sequence, you're going to do a ton of hamstring stretching. So that's baked in to the average yoga class with down dog and standing forward folds and wide-legged forward folds. You end up doing a lot of hamstring stretching. If anything, you might want to find ways to add in hamstring strengthening, like doing a bridge pose where you dig your heels in so that activates your hamstrings, or locust pose, which activates the hamstrings. Uh, both of those are included in this sequence. So you're trying to think well-rounded, whole body, addressing all the major movements of the spine, all the major movements of the body, not leaving anything out. And within this episode of this context, tailoring it to beginners, doing the more basic level version of the poses. Now, every pose can be beginner, intermediate, or advanced. And I like to teach in a way where everybody has options no matter what. Even if they're an advanced student, they might want to do a simpler version, a more beginner-friendly version that day for whatever reason. So I always encourage that people listen to their body and then give options throughout of ways that you can tailor it to yourself. And that comes with the cueing, which I've talked about in past episodes. And when I teach in the cue with confidence course, which I will be offering again in the near future. And of course, in the teacher training, I go into much, much more depth about all that. But all that to say, when you are teaching, you want to make sure that all levels feel included and feel encouraged to explore different options. And that includes beginners and advanced students. And it's very easy to teach to all levels in a class. Early on, I used to think it was kind of scary and intimidating to try to teach to, I have a beginner here and I have a teacher over here. How do I make sure that they all feel included? That is why I teach something called pose progressions, which gives you the step-by-step process of doing that. And again, I go into much more detail in the teacher training and cue with confidence. But for now, it's all baked into this sequence that I give you on the PDF of all the beginner level versions are there. And then if you know more advanced variations, you can add those on as well. And as it says on the PDF, if you read along, uh, I do reference there's a gentle sequence uh, on a different page in the manual that's not included here, uh, but it is essentially the same thing that's pictured and shown. But this particular sequence includes some sun salutations and more active warming poses like chair pose, side plank, more challenging things like that, that you wouldn't include in a gentle specific class necessarily, but you would in a Hatha class. And this sequence is Hatha, all levels, more tailored to beginners. Uh, so also in the, the PDF, I only show the uh, one side of asymmetrical poses. Of course, in a yoga sequence, you're, if you're going to do an asymmetrical pose like Janusasana on the left side, the head to knee pose, you would of course do Janusasana on the right side, head to knee pose, and balance it out. Uh, times are approximate on this, what I've listed, but I think of this, so here's another way of thinking about the sequence of a class that applies, again, you don't need to have this thorough plan and as I've talked about in previous episodes, I don't actually plan my classes, but I do have a lot of mini sequences in mind and a general outline of the framework of the class in mind. Like most likely gonna start supine on the back and not as likely gonna start standing in a class. You could, 
but I like to start slow on the ground, build up, and then build down and end up back on the ground. So that's generally the format I follow. So you can think about the different positions of the body in a sequence. So you can be supine, laying on your back. You can be prone, laying on your stomach. You can be kneeling, hands and knees. You can be standing, doing standing postures. You can be seated. You could be side-lying. And then there might be some other creative things you could do, like working with a wall or other things. But generally, those are the main positions of the body. And I like to make sure we spend a little time with each one. And in a Hatha sequence, spend the main section of the middle of the class in the standing poses. And I'm sure you've experienced this going to classes. Uh, that's generally the kind of flow of things. Not always, but that is the general outline that most teachers will follow for good reason, because it really feels natural and makes sense. And it feels sort of uh, gentle getting into the sequence, energizing in the middle, and then gently coming down and winding down so you can get into a deep meditation and shavasana at the end. So that's the general flow and outline I follow, which again, I don't get too specific, but in the PDF I mentioned times of this. Uh, given if it was an hour class, you have about five minutes supine at the beginning, then you move to kneeling, hands and knees for about 10 minutes, make sure you do all the movements of the spine and cat-cow, things like this, warming up. Then you get into the majority of the class, the 30 minutes of standing work, which the amount of like flow and sun salutations you do will depend on the style, the level of the students, and if you want to make it more challenging, vigorous or not. Uh, so you have a lot of discretion and choice in like the general outline of the sequence. But my way of thinking of it is by 15 minutes in, if it's an active class, let's be active. So if it's like 20 minutes in and you're still on the ground doing like supine pigeon, I think the students will start to get restless and I've experienced this as a student, maybe you have as well. I've seen it as a teacher, you know, all of the things I teach come from experience and trying things and seeing what works and what doesn't. But if it's an active class like Hatha or Vinyasa or Power, uh, if you're teaching those styles, then you should be moving for sure, in my opinion, by 15 minutes in. There's lots of ways you can do it. You can do it differently. You could start standing, especially in, a, you know, like Baptiste classes. Sometimes you'll start with a handstand. That's not what I teach, but that is certainly a way to move your body and work with energy. That is not better or worse. It's just different than the general outline I teach, which has more of the uh, emphasis on regulating your nervous system and you're slowly creating a wave for through your nervous system, through the sequence where you start slow and simple, build up to more complex and then wind down back to simple. I've talked about this before as the sequencing bell curve and that really works well for your nervous system and the rhythms throughout the day, like your circadian rhythm and your ultradian rhythm, which are these waves and cycles throughout the day where if you do things like too sharp and too sudden and too uh, sort of disharmoniously in your day, like you go from sedentary to starting with handstands and advanced vigorous poses, that's a lot of uh, stimulus for your nervous system, which can be overwhelming. Even if you are very resilient and very strong, 
that is still a lot of taxing on your nervous system versus starting slow and simple and building up to more complex and then winding back down. That's very doable, very gentle, very can be very soothing on your nervous system and then slowly increase the challenge, increase your strength, increase your flexibility. So your body can really adapt to the stressors of the yoga practice, which make no mistake, the yoga practice is a controlled stress experiment on the body, as BKSA Ingar would say. So we are actually challenging ourselves, even in a gentle class, because sometimes you go into really deep stretches and you're actually taxing your nervous system to increase flexibility because of the stimulus of the stretch. So you're challenging your body in that way, even in a gentle class where you don't want to push yourself too much in general, uh, but especially in a Hatha class. So that approach going, you know, in the, what I say in the PDF, starting supine, simple hip openers, and then to the kneeling stuff, the movements of the spine, then to the standing stuff. And the standing is the majority of the class, about 30 minutes where you do active poses like chair, high lunge, warrior two, tree pose, locust, right? all the active stuff, lunges, low lunges, twists, these kind of things. That's where you would do that. And then you start to wind back down and you make your way eventually to sitting. And you can emphasize some deeper flexibility there, like Janu Shishasana had the knee pose. Uh, or pigeon pose, or deeper stretching kind of poses. So I generally like to approach things that way of uh, building up the mind-muscle connection and the heat in the body in the middle of the class, then focusing on the flexibility in the last 15 minutes, 15 to 20 minutes or so. So as I say in the PDF, there's about 10 minutes for seated type poses or deeper flexibility poses, then about five minutes for like simple twist and javasana. And I recommend what BKSA Yinger would recommend, and just happened to be quoting him twice for no particular reason, but uh, he would suggest that you have one minute of shavasana for every 10 minutes of active practice. So in a 60-minute class, you're looking at about six minutes of shavasana. That's a good general rule. I would not do any less than two minutes if you really want to push it and if you're running short on time and you need a shorter shavasana with that so i'd say at a minimum two minutes but up to six minutes ideally and you could even go a little longer if you go beyond like 10 minutes for a 60 minute class you're likely to have students start to get restless at that point uh, but shavasana is very important and it's very important for the nervous system to integrate what happened and process all the information of the poses and the movements and the strength and flexibility sometimes the shaking of the challenging poses all of that taxes your nervous system your brain burns calories and when you take longer in shavasana it gives your whole body time to reset and recalibrate and integrate all of that so now you come back to practice the next day or the next couple of days your nervous system is now more resilient and more capable of increasing flexibility strength and balance so i do encourage that you have at least two minutes for shavasana but six minutes is ideal for a 60-minute class and then you could go longer even and 
a, a common thing that I hear with newer teachers is you might feel worried like you're not doing enough in a class. And like the outline I have is mostly basic poses. You might feel worried that it's not interesting enough for more experienced students. But I'm sure you've experienced yourself going to classes where like you are not bored. You are not, unless it is like a very weird sequence or they're really doing something off. Like even if it's just the most basic poses, you're thinking about the past, the present, the future. You're, you're feeling stuff in your body. You're processing your breath and your movement. Like yoga practice is such an immersion into the present moment. And then on top of whatever mental stuff you're working through, like emotional challenges or stressors or just thoughts, ruminating, whatever is going on mentally, emotionally that day, like there is plenty, even in the most basic poses, even in just supine bound angle, even just holding corpse pose at the beginning of a class for five minutes, like there is plenty going on internally that you don't have to worry about students getting bored or distracted. Unless they are total beginners, then yeah, they might be really distracted and you can see that they're not embodied because they're looking around a lot and they're fidgeting a lot and their breathing is maybe uh, irregular or, or something just as off in their energy as you read their body, then you don't wanna be doing more anyway because that's gonna be overloading their system because they're even more distracted. So you wanna find ways to keep it engaging, not too slow, not too fast, not too much talking, not too little talking, where you can sense that the students are embodied. And that is like a very intuitive thing. It's hard to teach, hard to talk about, but you can just sense that they're present, they're breathing in a way that's connected with their movements, and they're not super distracted or fidgety. and. There might even be a circumstance where they are fidgety and they're still present. So we don't always know what's happening internally, but we do want to provide a space where it feels safe for students to explore their practice. And if they want to do more, you give options to do more. If they want to do less, you can give options to do less. Uh, but you are always attuning to like, what do they need? What's happening for them in the moment? Is this meeting them where they're at in the moment? and not giving them too much where it's like overload and dumping all these concepts at the chakras and the doshas and the koshas. Like you only really need one theme for a class. And then if you're following this outline, this is like a nice full whole body, well-rounded practice. And then you just add a single theme on top of that for the day, like maybe a parigraha, non-grasping or practicing presence and noticing your breath moment to moment. Right, it does not have to be complicated. In fact, the more complicated you make it, the more complicated it is, and the more it can be difficult for students to follow along. So I encourage you to keep it simple and respond to the students, watch them, and use this as an outline. If you're totally new to this kind of outline, if this sequence feels foreign to you, practice it yourself, find a way of making it your own, use it as a template, so again, this is based on my thousands of hours of teaching and one of my most popular classes. I've essentially followed this general structure every week for years and people loved it and would rave about it and come back and were there every week and uh, they didn't get bored. You know, I, I would add different variations every time and different themes every time, 
but the general flow is there, just like the sequence. And if you build upon it, make it your own, you two can have really uh, positive reviews and raving students who love the sequence, you know, and adapt it to them, make it your own, make it tailored to them. Don't just copy me or any other teacher, but build upon what is there. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. Right? You can learn from thousands of hours of teaching and then build upon it and make it your own. So this is what I teach inside of the Quiet Mind Yoga Teacher Training. You can join the waitlist now at quietmind.yoga/ytt, and Q with Confidence will be coming out again in this early 2023. So if you want to learn all the best things I have to offer about cueing and actually teaching these kind of sequences, that's where I'll be sharing that. And the teacher training will be opening at some point in 23 as well. Uh, we are currently in a single in a class right now that recently started in November. That's been amazing, amazing group there. Uh, so we're already in that class. So the next one will be coming up in the future. And hopefully you found this helpful. Again, get the free download at quietmind.yoga slash beginner sequence. That is beginner sequence, one S there. And you can follow along with this PDF. You can use it for yourself, you can use it for your students, make it your own. And hopefully it helps you with your yoga sequences for beginners when you're teaching. Thank you for listening and look forward to sharing more with you next time on the Yoga Teacher Training Podcast.